All right, all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys would come up, and all those who are threes, fours, and five, three, four, and five-year-olds, if you make your way to, your back, uh, to the back, uh, be ready for your classes. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to come. Anyway, uh, all right, kids going down, all the, the, uh, Again, the kindergarten through fifth grade, come up here. If you're a visitor today, our kids will go down or go, go to the chapel area and, and have a class. So kindergarten through fifth grade, yeah, chapel, chapel, okay. And then the threes, fours, and fives. Now, I, I'll just let you know now, Sarah had told me that the threes, fours, and fives will be brought back into the sanctuary at the conclusion of our service. So you won't need to go pick them up. They'll be here uh, back in the back, so Sarah will uh, have something for you all. Uh, it's it's Mother's Day, so um, is that important to you? Yes. Is that your phone? Yeah. Okay. This could be real unusual today. This is gonna be a real unusual day. Uh, it, it was it was uh, a little while back. We had a, a sermon development team, which I like to listen to and, and get some feedback from, and and one of the messages that I received from that. Uh, and haven't done for, for a little while, is to do a Mother's Day sermon. And uh, we're always in a series, and, and I've never taken the time to step aside and do a Mother's Day sermon. So I, I determined this year we'll do a Mother's Day sermon. We just finished the Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, series going through that. And so I thought, well, perfect. The next Sunday is Mother's Day. We'll do that. So early in the week, I thought... Uh, we're going to do it. Maybe, maybe I even found out why I don't like to do Mother's Day sermon. Not necessarily I don't like to. I don't run to them. And, and this, this reason, this might surprise you, I'm not a mother. And so illustrations and things like that come hard. And I go to the scripture. And, and I, sometimes you go to the same scripture each year and think I'm going to go through that. And so I asked this lady next to me, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be putting together a Mother's Day sermon. Do some thinking. Let's talk about that. And then I've also talked to the guys, which they were no help whatsoever. <laughs> Matthew, Eric, you know. No, actually, Matthew gave me an article that really helped set us off, so I appreciate that. Um, but anyway, so I enlisted some help, and I hope you are going to be, uh, you, you probably want me to sit down. I know I'm going to stay up here with her. We're going to do this together, okay? So you might be thinking about us. Anyway, you want to share a couple things as we begin? Uh, oh, I didn't. Can you hear me? No? Okay, I don't know if I did this right. I don't know how to do this. Let's see. Closer to my mouth. You, Sorry. I think that you pin that to your nose. Pin that to my nose. Can you hear me now? That, that's is that better? Okay. okay, there we go. Okay, uh, my name is Linda Roberts, and I'm his wife. Most of you know that. Um, and we have four children, so I'm the mom. And I'm going to celebrate. Yay! I'm so, so glad. Yeah, we're Mother's Day. <laughs> I, I have opinions about, anyway, women preaching. So I'm not preaching. I'm just here to assist him and um, be a support. I'm the magician. I'm going to put her in a yes, box. Yes, there with we go. So <laughs> anyway, I, I do, um, for asking me. I appreciate the opportunity um, very much. And motherhood is um, really important to me. Is that what you want? Um, anyway, so we kind of have an outline, and I don't know if I'm supposed to keep moving, but um, yeah, I'm just so happy to be up here and um, supporting in this way, and think it's, it's very, very important, so thank you for asking me. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Our title today, matter of fact, the, the title for the sermon that's in your bulletin is called Motherhood, a Burden and a Blessing. And so I will blame Linda all day for that. Uh, and, and she came up with that title. And so she's thinking of the burdens and blessings there. And, and as we go through this, here, here is our uh, outline. We don't have an outline this morning. Uh, but, but if you want to jot these down, here, here's the points that we're going to go through. It is a scriptural look at motherhood. And so, first of all, we're going to look at her curse. And then we're going to look at her, her help. And then we're going to finally end up in her, her divine place in, in motherhood. So, uh, let me begin this morning by talking to you about her curse. Which we find in Genesis chapter 3. And verse, uh, verse 16, actually, I, just specifically that mother part. And, and when I say that curse, we know at the, the beginning with Adam and Eve, and, and that had been the great blessing of being God's creation and, and having the opportunity just to, to live life according to God and, and with no ills in this world, no sinfulness, nothing like that. But of course, we know that that all changed when God had this specific request, do not eat from the tree, and they ate from the tree. And then in chapter 3, the cursing began. You know, it started with the serpent. And then this was said to the woman. This was said to the woman. In verse 16, you have your own notes, don't you? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I'll go over here then. Um, verse 16 says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to to children just just that part we're going to focus on this morning and and uh, uh, if you're a mother you are familiar with that that pain or that part of the curse the pains of child childbearing uh, we all think it's it's that 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 whole part of of just the the physical agony uh, you know if your kids remember this the physical agony you, you're supposed to say man I thank you so much that you went through that pain. Uh, and, right? Amen. And I, I, I heard a comedian once describe it, that you take your lower lip and wrap it over your head. That might be getting close to the pain that moms feel when they're, uh, when they're enduring uh, that, that pain of childbirth. The article that I mentioned that Matthew shared with me was an article by... Try to remember her name. Jen Wilkin. Jen Wilkin, who, who actually Linda was leading a, a, a Hebrew study uh, here recently, and Jen Wilkin was in there. Uh, the article, uh, where was it? Right here. Oh, right there. Jewish. Oh, okay. The the truth about pain and childbearing, um, and it, it's in a website called the Gospel Coalition, which I found a lot of good articles. Anyway, in this article, she was talking about rabbis who would teach that is one of the most precious and blessed uh, places for moms in the bearing of their children. Uh, that, that process of that child growing and developing within the womb. And the real suffering comes, well, definitely in that childbirth and the physical pain, but it is also described in the pain of separation. The pain of separation when when the baby uh, then begins to separate from mom and I was gonna have you share um, yeah just a, a little section from that article it was such a good article um, and it really helped you think about um, 
what you go through as a mom. Yes, there's physical pain, and then like he said, there's also this pain that comes, continues on through life, which sometimes you think, gosh, I wish I didn't have to have that, but that's a part of motherhood. Um, and and one, one of the paragraphs says, as the years unfold, we begin to understand that we have been introduced to the great truth of pain in childbearing, a pain we naively believed would be confined to labor and delivery, but that visits us at every transition we nurture our children toward, the measured inhale, <clears throat> the steady exhale, the mighty push, and separation. <clears throat> Preschool, kindergarten, middle school, high school, college, career, marriage. With a familiar aching euphoria, we push them out from safety and provision to separation and uncertainty. It feels like they would be safer just staying with us, as if safety were the greatest gift we could give them. Okay, I, I was gonna say, I, I wanted to think of some of those examples. One, one of them for me, watching Linda, was when Lindsay was in, I told Lindsay we're gonna use illustrations all day <laughs> as she went down. But I, I, I told her, is when Lindsay was in the fifth grade, it was you know close to finishing fifth grade, and, it, and you called it Rocket Day? Or something it was like rocket that. launch day. Yeah, it was rocket launch day. They put together rockets and they, they sent them up and, and the kids were all, it, it was just a fun day, beautiful day, shooting rockets off, having a blast. I looked over and Linda is all weepy over the whole thing, right? Final child going through fifth grade and here it is, it's at the end. Uh, mom's familiar? That's part of what it's speaking about. And then you had some Yeah, other he didn't understand. He looked at me and said, what? And I said, this is the last rocket launch. So it was a milestone. <laughs> so it was emotional. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were just thinking about all of the different, um, I mean, there's so many. Oh my goodness, there's so many. But things that, um, that you do, like text me when, you, um, when you're headed home. Text me when you get home, if you have grown children. Um, <clears throat> and let us know that you're home, okay? Um, there's just stuff that you, you just continue to think about and how you worry. Um, also, we had a, an incident where we had one of the kids called, uh, one of our sons, I'll give him away, called home and said, hey, mom, we went to a hookah bar and my brother, my little brother passed out. Now you know who's who. My little brother passed out and hit his nose on the sink. And I said, what? First, what's a hookah bar? And Second, I need the phone number, and I called the hookah bar, and I said, what's going on down there? Anyway, I was a mom. Um, but you do things like that. You are just, you're just um, in that mom mode, and you, you are you know, trying to take care of them, and you're trying to hold them close, and yet we do have to let them go, and we have to let them mature and, and learn. Another little example of this was when we were raising our kids, and they were kind of getting into that teenage year, I feel like, um, I was kind of like, oh, let's hold on to them and leave them here at home and not let them go out and not let them go with friends or do things. And that was seriously my, my feeling. <clears throat> he came along, of course, with his wisdom and said, we have to let them go. They have to go and do things. They have to learn and fall down and, and do that while they're home so that we can help pick them up. So I always felt like that was um, very good advice, um, but hard to do. And that's it, uh, to have a mom, that, the curse again is sin in this world. We, we, we have these children and, and then it's that letting them go and it's not into a calm, peaceful and, and loving world. It is not. 
is in a, to a difficult world. A world that we realize that that is, is absolutely ignoring God. And, and many of those are just wanting to thumb their noses towards God. And, and the way Jesus puts it, the, the road to destruction is wide. That's the easy road to pick. And the road that, that, that is to righteousness, the following of Christ, is that narrow road. That's, that's the one we want our children on. So, man, we are, th that's the pain of, of, of a mother, you know, and, and, and to, to, to know and realize that your children have to make that choice. So, in, in part, let's look more in the scriptures. That, that the next part is that there is help. Uh, her help. And, and I want to turn back into the scriptures because there's some specific uh, a couple of specific ladies we wanted to point out in the Old Testament. Uh, one lady didn't do it real well. Matter, matter of fact, the way I, I put it down was that, that she learned to trust through her failures. And, th and this is Sarah. Uh, Sarah basically uh, had a difficult time in trusting God. Now, Abraham was touted for his faith. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 3, I believe, is, is where it talked about his faith. And his faith is what saved him. But, but Sarah didn't seem to have that same faith. Abraham also had his downfalls here as well in the same thing. But in, in uh, Genesis, chapter, uh, oh, Genesis chapter 16, verse, <coughs> verses 1 through 4, would you read that? Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So God made a promise to Sarah and Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. So in, in Sarah's mind, so okay, we're going to bear some children for that, right? Well, no baby, no baby, no baby. And so what does Sarah do? Well, I will, I will take care of this. I will make sure that Abraham has a child. I'm going to, to give to Abraham my, my handmaid, my, my servant, uh, Hagar. And so, well, and in this, guess what Abraham did? Okay. <laughs> kind of like the Adam in the story earlier on, right? Hey, take and eat. Oh, okay, we're right. We're tailing in. We're right behind. But anyway, so there was, there was a lack of faith here for Abraham as well, because he could have said, he could have said, no, God is going to do this. Let's trust God. He didn't do it. And, and Sarah went ahead, gave Hagar, and, and began. And it caused all kinds of problems because she didn't trust. Even years later, years later, uh, another place uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter 18, there was, uh, and, and this is years later, this is, this is like, we're talking Sarah is about 90 years old, they believe. About 90 years old, has not had a child uh, for, for Abraham. And there was, there was some messengers God sent to, to be with Abraham and Sarah. And while they were speaking to Abraham, Sarah was listening in. And uh, uh, they announced to Abraham, so this time next year, you're going to have a son. And, and it says that Sarah laughed. Why'd she laugh? I'm 90 years, couldn't you, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? 90 years old, you're going to have a child. <laughs> yeah, okay. And that's what she did. 
Matter of fact, when she did bear that child, they named him Isaac, which means laughter, which means laughter. Isaac's name was laughter to remind Sarah that you laughed at this and here he is. Uh, so, so Sarah is an example where, man, she, it doesn't really show anywhere uh, early on or, or, or through childbearing that she trusted the help that God was going to give. There's another, another uh, woman in, in the scripture I want to share with you. Her name is Hannah. Had the same problem. She was barren. First uh, Samuel. In First Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, she was barren, unable to have children. She went to the temple and prayed. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. It was during that time that Eli was in the temple area, and, and he was watching Hannah, and, and she was moving her lips and, and not... Matter of fact, just the whole demeanor of, of the weeping and everything, she, he thought she was drunk and drinking. So he, she went, he went and confronted her, and she said, no, I'm not drunk. This is why I'm praying. I, I'm praying. I'm laying a request. This is what's happening. I, I'm, I'm bringing it before God. And, and he said, you know, go in peace. You know, go, may God answer your prayer. And she went home. She went home and, and, and washed her face, cleaned up, and and uh, maybe even with the confidence that God's going to answer it. And in time, it doesn't say how much time, but in time, she bore a son named Samuel and brought him back to the temple. As she said, she promised God an oath that she would give that child uh, for, for the Lord's service. And that's Samuel. Uh, Samuel, who's a prophet and prophet to kings. Uh, later, later on, and, and this is, this is in her, don't miss this because what did she do? She sought out her help. Unlike, unlike uh, uh, Sarah, she sought God to be her help. She prayed. She went before him and, and just laid it all out before him and, and called upon him and his mercy to follow through. And God answered. And that turned into praise. <clears throat> then Hannah prayed and said, My God, excuse me, my heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horn is lifted up. <clears throat> my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full who are full, hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. So there, it broke out into praise. God, God answered her, you know, and understand that. I mean, she had her child. And not only that, but if you listen to that, in her praise, she was identifying those who weren't put, placing their trust in God uh, and, and those who do. And, and those who do, even in bad circumstances, even though she was barren, now she has a number of children. Uh, she went on to have other children that, that blessed her, and she give, was giving God praise for that. It is the opportunity uh, that we have in life. Every one of us 
has an opportunity through whatever difficulties we face to either stress, to find our own way, or to just trust God for his help. Isn't that right? That's absolutely right, that we could be dependent upon God, just like Hannah in, in, in that. And, and I do know that I've, I know several uh, who have faced the same troubles as Sarah and Hannah, who've not been able to conceive, who've not been able to bear a child. And yet, uh, you know, the encouragement is, is that God knows, God cares, and, and God listens when we pray. Finally, so we've, we've gone through her, her curse, her help, and now her divine place. Uh, especially you know, when, we, when I say her divine place, we think, well, Mary. If anybody had a divine place, it was Mary. Remember that announcement. Here she is, uh, betrothed to Joseph, uh, has not been married, has not conceived, and is told by an angel that you are going to bear a child. He's going to be that Messiah, that Savior that the Scripture talks about. He, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you are going to have uh, a, a son. And you're going to call him Jesus. And, and can you imagine what, uh, uh, what a start that would, would have been? But how blessed is Mary? And, and the blessing is that God chose her. God chose her for that, that great purpose. That was actually laid out back in Genesis 3. Let's go back. We, we just talked about the curse that's laid out. Genesis chapter 3, this time verse 15, the one that preceded what I read earlier. In, in verse 15, here's what it said. This specifically is being said to the serpent, the one who was laying out the temptation before Eve and, and, and Adam. It says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. It's absolutely the first prophecy ever made. Right, right at this, God speaking uh, to these, those involved uh, in bringing about sin into the world, he is now laying out a prophecy of his plan to correct the things over these curses. And, and this one specifically says that, that this seed of woman, this, this, uh, uh, this infant that is going to come, is going to crush the head of the tempter, the one that brought about this sinfulness. And, and, and then uh, that, that uh, uh, serpent is going to bruise his heel. Many think, well, that's the, the nail going through the feet of Jesus uh, upon the cross significant that the curse uh, from the very beginning God had a plan that is going to be through this whole process of, of humanity that one is going to come announced by an angel to Mary the Savior that is going to be the absolute answer to the curse a divine place this is a woman had a divine place Mary but I believe that that every mother has a divine place mm -hmm. Every, every mother uh, designed and created in a way to be able to bring forth children into this world. I, I mean, that, that's a very honoring. I, I think that's a place of honor. And, and I do believe that's a place of great responsibility to say it's a divine place because every infant born has this great opportunity in life to, to come back into a place of, of growing into kingdom. Of, of even finding that place of being reborn 
through Jesus to become that that children they could become children uh, kingdom children and later on uh, kingdom people uh, in their lives it is an opportunity and and that opportunity doesn't go away and so it continues to be a responsibility of every mother matter of fact we wrote down here that that it is uh, a part of the fostering the family of God what we've been talking about our focus for so long has been on families, helping families. You know, we have a great youth minister, Matthew, right? He, he does a great work, but it is not his responsibility to make sure every child knows Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe, we believe it is the responsibility of moms and dads to be leading them. And, and hey, if anything, as a church, we want to be supportive of every young family. And man, we've got some kids here now. We've got a lot of young kids. And so for youth ministry, our greatest position in youth ministry is we want to help dads be faithful and moms learning and pursuing Jesus and having that in the household. Uh, Paul talked about uh, Timothy. Uh, his, Timothy was that, that uh, uh, the disciple, one of his disciples, and he was mentoring Timothy into the ministry. And, and, and what he said uh, about Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, uh, spoke about Timothy's faith, where it came from. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I am persuaded now lives in you also. Yeah. Did you hear that? <clears throat> it, it, it was where, where Timothy received his faith was from his grandmother and his mother. People who were passing it on to their children, you know, grandmother and not just just not just mom, but grandmother and mother had a great influence over Timothy in his life to have a faith, to trust in Jesus, and even to the point of just uh, being a kingdom worker, a minister, uh, and, and and so what an example that is to us today, that it is a great responsibility of of, of not only mothers and fathers but also grandfathers and grandmothers. And, and I'll even take it this far to say it's the responsibility of the church to be encouragers of one another, to be challenging each other in, in this great responsibility. There, there are just uh, uh, some things that, that we want to add in way of application. Uh, that, that idea of modeling and, and acting on behalf of our, our children, these are, each one of these are things that, that we're I think foundational for us in raising our family. You want to start with the first one? Yeah. Um, before I go, before I tell um, that one, I'm going to talk about prayer. But I was going to say this at the beginning and didn't say it. Um, my desire, this is kind of my little testimony, but my desire has always been to be a wife and a mama. And although some may not want to say it in this day and age, as though it was somehow a lesser job, it is an extremely important and even necessary God-ordained role in the world. Um, and, and I just, I have always felt the tug to be a mom, and I feel like it's, it's the most important work. There's so much good work, of course, going on in the world, but I just, um, I'm, in, I'm disappointed sometimes when we, when we diminish the role of a mom and, um, man, the value that, that should be placed on that. So I just want to encourage you with that. Be proud of being a mama and what opportunities you have. Um, and then um, the first application point we wanted to discuss was just about prayer. And some of you have heard me talk about this before, but um, I have always been such a, uh, 
prayer warrior, I guess you would say. I've had, I, I've prayed through lots of journals. It's funny, I even pulled them out as we were preparing for this and looked back at some of them from like years and years ago. Um, and it, it's amazing to me what prayer can do um, in order to help you deal with the things that you deal with as a mom. Um, I, I do remember um, very, a very, I would say, pivotal point for me was um, in April of 1999, an event happened in our country that kind of brought me to my knees for sure, and that was the um, shooting at Columbine High School. That was the first time we'd ever heard of something like that, and it really um, kind of shook my knees, and I was a little nervous. Um, I think I've shared that with some of you, and I felt like at that point, wow, I, have, I really have no control our kids are leaving the home, and I don't have control over the things that will happen to them and what is next. And so it really did draw me to prayer. Um, at the time, Ronnie was doing youth ministry, and they had something at the high school called BLT. It was, called, it was Bible Lunch Tuesday. They had a meal for kids, and so he was always doing that. So I would go home on those Tuesdays and make that a time of prayer and fasting. I do believe that prayer and fasting is um, a very important um, kind of a necessary thing sometimes in our lives. Really what it does, it's not really magic. It's just something that helps you depend on God. And it helps you just, like Hannah did, you know, give them to God, give them back to him over and over and over and over again. Because it's not definitely a one-time thing. It is the lifetime, as we've said um, this morning. So prayer is is just so key. I would just encourage you, moms and dads, not just moms today, but dads too, um, to be proactive prayers. Not run to God when something big is happening or when there's trouble. Or Be proactive prayers. Um, pray for them as you get up in the morning and maybe journal. Um, I've found that that's been a really good thing for me. And now I'm kind of excited to look back at what I've journaled with that. Uh, the second one is, is to model your, simply this, model your faith. Uh, uh, that's what Lois and Eunice, uh, they're, they're the examples before us, is to be able to not just bring your kids to church thinking, well, that's what we need to do. We need to have them in church so they get the right direction. If you're not living at home, if you're not living at home, they're going to be just like you. They're going to be, they're, they're not going to live it. They're not going to live a faith. They need to see it in their mom and dad. You have the greatest opportunity to show them a direction, to give them the, the way. Uh, my dad, I, I've talked about this before, but I forever will have this etched in my mind because it happened every morning while I was growing up. I would get up, my dad would be already at the breakfast table with his Bible open. I, I didn't have to ask my dad anything, you know, about scripture. It was always, it was, I, I just knew this one fact. It was important to him. Scripture was significant for him, and for him to see that uh, was, was a significant part of my life, and even knowing, never questioning that there was a God. I, I didn't have troubles with that. I did question where the Scriptures came from, but, but man, it was significant to my dad, and it became significant for me as well. We need to set that example and live our, the faith that we have. Uh, finally, uh, we are to uh, grow up with the church body. Uh, to be connected. Uh, man, if we haven't learned anything from this last year, it's one thing of how much we need each other. 
We, and, I, and I do, I will say it's that face-to-face time. It is to be connected one to, uh, one to the other, developing the kind of relationship where we're praying for each other, where we're encouraging one another, and where I could come and ask if I need help, or, or you have that opportunity to, to be around people of faith that is going to be your support and help in this difficult life. Again, that curse hangs over our head until that final day when Jesus returns. It is going to be continuous. And so we need the body. And I would just say this, you know, one thing we learned is, is, is over this COVID and not being together, I, I, to, to those who are watching, and, and if it has so happened to slip to that place where this is more out of convenience and not out of fear of a virus, you need to be here. Your kids need to be here. I, I want you to know uh, how important the church is. It's not our creation. We didn't come up with this. It's his creation uh, of bringing us to the, together, united in his spirit, called to, through Christ, to be joining together to become his body. That's the way we grow. Not only the way we grow, but it's also how we let the world around us know that Jesus is the one and only means for salvation, the only cure to this curse that's over all of us. Right? Right. Absolutely. So, uh, did you have one other thing to you? Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to go ahead and do the review? Okay, let me, yeah, again, just to remind you, where we've been is, we've talked about this curse it is a curse over everyone, not, not just the believers, but unbelievers. It's over the world, and it's ugliness. It's, it's, we could absolutely blame it on the ugliness, the hatred, the, the absolute uh, uh, disregard for humanity and the violence towards each other, and, and just, uh, just the, the absolute ugliness. It's that curse. There, there is the help. When it comes to motherhood, there is that help. God is available. He wants to hear your prayers. Uh, he is a significant help. Well, you know, I know husbands, right? The help you thought I was going to preach about you. No, no, no. You can't do anything about that curse. It's not you. It's uh, Jesus came. And, and so you living it, you living it and, and becoming that, that uh, help uh, or, or receiving that salvation within us is from the help that God has given us, that salvation. And then also, don't forget, we believe this to be true, is you have a divine place. Uh, continue in God's creation, uh, what, what he has put, put out, and we celebrate that. And, and definitely today, we celebrate our mothers, and we celebrate grandmothers, and even the great-grandmothers that are here today. We love you very much. Um, yeah, I just wanted to sum it up this way, um, just to share with you all. I have been Sarah, anxious, not trusting, trying to do it on my own. I have also been Hannah, trusting God and giving them to him. So I've done both. Probably a lot of you have. And And Mary, well, that must have been a motherhood like none other. Can you imagine parenting God, your Savior? Chokes me up. But oh, how thankful I am for her. Not that we're worshiping Mary, but that she submitted to God and followed his plan to bring Jesus into this world. Because I can't save my kids' sins. Only God can do that. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you this day. Lord, it's that day of observance just to appreciate uh, moms. With that, Lord, we give you praise. 
We love your design. We love what you've enabled us to do. And we especially praise you, Father, for being able to, to appreciate uh, those mothers of ours who, who have uh, given so much, sacrificially, lovingly, uh, and, and with mercy, Lord, have, have acted out on our behalf. And so we, we pray, Lord, as well, that we'll take that opportunity to celebrate and appreciate. And, and Lord, especially uh, to have that opportunity today to think about our children that are being raised today, to love them, to pray for them, to be examples to them, and to appreciate the place that we have, directing them to that narrow road, which not many take. But Lord, we pray that path for our children and those that are growing up today. God, you're good to us, and we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.